This is Campus on the Common, a podcast of bright ideas from Emerson College's School of Communication. I'm Emerson College alumnus and podcasting professor Chance Dorland. Broadcasting from Emerson College's School of Communication in Boston, Massachusetts, Campus on the Common provides an expert view into the field of media and communication through the lens of academic experts and industry professionals from Emerson and beyond. Exploring ideas like multimedia storytelling, media ethics, and how new technologies affect the communication industry. Today's episode puts the spotlight on the travels of Emerson College students and professors to the vibrant seaside city of Rosarito, Mexico, located just about 10 miles south of the U.S. border. My name is Gregory Payne, the chairman of communication studies at Emerson College. I'm the director of the Rediscover Rosarito program, and this has been in existence for 12 years. Uh, This has come about after I visited Rosarito throughout my life and when I was at USC, and it offers our students a great opportunity to do public diplomacy at the grassroots level. I'm Mark Brody. I'm an adjunct professor in the Communication Studies Department, also an alumni of Emerson College. I've had the pleasure of working with Greg Payne for, oh, probably 15 years, starting when I was a graduate student and then moving on to the Saudi American Exchange, and most recently, our, uh, our summer program and hopefully winter program in Rosarito, Mexico. The Rosarito Public Diplomacy Immigration and Public Diplomacy Workshop provides Emerson students the opportunity to study immigration and border issues by meeting with change agents and organizations who have successfully engineered grassroots efforts to bridge cultural and political divides between the U.S. and Mexico. This year's workshop focused on border and immigration issues from the Mexican and U.S. perspectives with visits with leaders in government, business, NGOs, students, and citizens in Mexico and the U.S. This is one of many programs at Emerson College available to both undergrads and grad students, and the events of the past several months really demonstrate the value such programs mean to both Emerson College and the students who participate in them. So, Greg, let's start off with you. How did you first get involved with this project and talk about the role that you've played over the years? As I said, Chance, when I... uh when I was in USC, I used to go to Rosarito, which was, of course, very close to the American side of the border. Many people would say that a trip to Rosarito or a trip to Ensenada in Baja California is a part of a Southern California experience. It was a beautiful area. Uh, it is a beautiful area. It's a wonderful uh, opportunity for people to experience a different culture. It's only about 35 miles south of San Diego, that is Rosarito. And so over the years, I had gone down, my mother and sister I used to visit Rosarito. My sister had a condominium. And what became very apparent to me is I would go visit and I would come back to Boston and talk to other people from the Midwest and other areas. And they would say, how could you go? It's so dangerous. And being that Emerson is a school of communication with the first communication department in the United States, it became clear to me that the mediated reality, that is what was put out by the media, and the actual reality was quite different. So it was a wonderful opportunity for me to say to students, let's take a look at what's really happening in Rosarito, and let's take a look at the influence of the media to tell the story and to perpetuate what seemed to be something that would grab headlines, and that is the fact that Mexico was dangerous, that Mexico was not safe to visit, 
And yet when you would go down, you would go, wait a minute, this is safer. And if you look at statistics, uh, it was safer than Boston. Uh, people were very, very open and gentle. When things were missing, oftentimes the Mexicans there, just as we had this year, would say, I found this phone. I found this wallet. I think it belongs to the Americans. And so this was a great experience. We took students the first year, and it's been one of the mo most robust of the Global Pathways program since. I'm from the Midwest, Greg, and when you mentioned that, uh, I kind of just shook my head. I know exactly what you're talking about, but it's interesting because a lot of people will vacation in certain parts of Mexico and then at the same time um, think that Mexico is dangerous, so you kind of have a lot of dichotomy there. Uh, I'm interested, when it comes to the students specifically, did you have to calm any fears? What was it like trying to get students to be involved? I think Emerson students, by their very nature, and Mark is a good example of that, you know, when he went to Saudi Arabia, many people would say, well, why would you go to Saudi Arabia right after 9-11? And I think part of it is we've always been change agents. We've always been committed to building bridges, not walls. So students today of the same type, they were very interested. Uh, they wanted to go. Of course, it's a beachside community. So many of them said, well, I want to go and I want to explore. And there's, I think there's a, a genuine uh, interest. There's sort of, I want to be there first to experience it. The people that I had the biggest problem with were administrators. Uh, at the time, I had a chair who basically said, you cannot go. You cannot take students to Rosarito because it's dangerous. Uh, but yet at the same time, we were taking people to New Orleans, one of my favorite cities, uh, for an NCA conference. And yet I said, well, let me give you some examples. Here at the crime statistics of three different areas. Which one is Rosarito? And he goes, this one. And I said, no, that's New Orleans, which is the homicide capital of the United States, even though I love New Orleans. I, he said, well, then it must be this one. And I said, no, that's Boston. The safest one of those three was Rosarito. So once we started getting past what I would say the mediated reality and the idea that the news was not telling the story correctly, but was fitting into sort of a Fox News mentality, we had students that went, and since that time, they've done documentaries. We've had various efforts. And again, my whole approach, whether it's Saudi Arabia or whether it's Rosarito, is to promote engagement, promote conversation, and to promote dialogue. Now, Mark, I know you've been involved in public and sports diplomacy programs in Rosarito. Tell me about that. Well, we uh, this most recent trip to Rosarito, we worked with the Rosarito Boys and Girls Club. And in that capacity, we brought in a number of Emerson students to engage with both sports diplomacy, gastro diplomacy, art and music diplomacy. We had a recent, I think it was Emerson College's first sports comm major graduate, Ethan Mashad, who went and organized a soccer tournament right there at the Boys and Girls Club. It was a fantastic opportunity to take our American students, which really didn't speak any, any Spanish at all, and have them interact with the, the Mexican students. And Ethan had this great quote that, you know, even though we didn't speak the same language, we communicated through a ball. Everybody had a great time, and they came out as friends later. You could see just by the pictures that we took, everyone arm in arm, in some cases singing in other places, going off after the soccer game to create art. It was a wonderful experience, and it really speaks to the power of public diplomacy. It doesn't really matter if you speak the language, but if, you're, if you have an empathetic approach and you're earnest in how you go about meeting people and engaging with them, it's amazing what can happen as a result. Yeah, I, obviously a different country. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Colombia, and uh, I was in the education sector. That was my assignment. But I, I had several friends and colleagues in the Peace Corps, fellow volunteers who were um, youth development, and basically their way of doing that was through sport, and that was through football, soccer, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a language. But, you know, I think there's a bigger lesson. that You know, sports diplomacy and sports is a metaphor for life. That's all true. 
But I think it's just the engagement. And I'll give you a great example. When we first arrived, the, that first Sunday night, my students had this preconceived notion from what, what's been force-fed them through our mediated reality from the, from the news, and in some cases from what the administrators would say about, oh, well, you know, Tijuana is dangerous. So with that, we would leave the safe grounds of the hotel and walk out into the, the mean streets of Rosarito. They're not mean at all. And we'd walk a few blocks down and would arbitrarily pick a taco shop. And my assignment was, feed yourself. Now, none of my students speak any Spanish, and they don't know how to order. So at first, they were a little apoplectic. There are new sights. There's new sounds. There's smells. There's literally smoke pluming from this oh, big yeah. stove. And, <laughs> you know, they've never seen anything quite like that. And I said, well, you know, if, you're, if you want to eat, you've, you've got to sort of figure this out. Now, let me show you how I would do this. Now, I happened to speak enough Spanish to get myself in trouble, but I didn't use any Spanish. I just walked in and I took a good look around and I saw that people would go up to a woman. They would hand her some money. She would write something down, give like a receipt, if you will. And then they would take that receipt and give it to somebody else. So I went up and just pointing to the things on the wall and making the motion that I'd like to eat, she took some money, gave me change, wrote something down. I then went and, went and gave that piece of paper to the next person who made three of the best tacos I've ever had oh, in my yeah. life. The students followed. We then sat down amongst all the locals and had an amazing meal. Now, as we were doing that, there's the hustle and bustle of, of a Mexican version of a diner, if you will. And at one point I said, you know, how does everyone feel? Do you feel safe? Yes. Is this great food? Oh, yeah. So where do we go from here? I don't know. Let's go hit another taco shop. So that we went from in a matter of moments, maybe 10 minutes from, wow, this is really weird and scary and, and completely different than anything I know to, hey, this is actually not that bad. And I think the realization came about that people are people are people. And they, they got to experience that, the fact that no Spanish was used, but just the, the, an empathetic approach. First, I'm going to be empathetic with myself, realizing, yes, I might make a fool of myself and asking for the food or, or trying to go through the process. But the more I do it, the, the better I'll get at it, the more comfortable I'll feel. And that was the experience my students had. Gastro diplomacy. At there we are. Um, I want to take what we've just been talking about and maybe bridge it to a different topic, but all obviously similar. Um, I'm wondering how, Mark and Greg, these experiences that you both just described, how, how, how do they shape your thoughts on just general U.S. immigration policy and obviously uh, the current actions of, of the administration that's been in power since uh, the most recent election uh, regarding the border? And uh, obviously, pick a headline. There's been quite a few of them, unfortunately, in the last several months. Well, you know, one of the things that's really interesting is is the president said not too long ago they're not sending their best and referring to Mexico. And if you look at the total number of immigrations from different demographic groups, there are more Asians coming into the United States than Latin Americans. And when you look at Central or Latin Americans in general, Mexicans are a smaller group. Now, in the past, that had been completely different. But as of, as of recent, the number of Mexicans coming into the United States is dramatically diminished, whereas it's more Central Americans, to the point where now you look at Tijuana, it's an immigration town. There's a lot of people who have come up you know, from Central America, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, and now they're essentially Shanghai, and I specifically use the word Shanghai, in Tijuana. Tijuana has, um, as of recent, as of late, they've got a big um, Haitian neighborhood, Afghani neighborhood, Nigerian neighborhood. And what's interesting is these ethnic groups come in and they're sort of sequestered, if you will, in, in Tijuana. They make, a, they make their own little societal group. The, the people of Tijuana seem to be 
okay with that, which is great. This most recent group coming up, there's been some difficulties. First, because of the vast numbers. There have been some uh, miscommunications about things offered to them and, and how they've been received, and that's created some considerable problems apart from all the resources drained. But when you look at what the administration stands talking about, they're not they're not really taking into consideration the experience of people who are essentially our neighbors. And if you look back in history, the Monroe Doctrine, that you know we essentially run this part of the world. Well, if we run this world, that means we have responsibility for some of these Central American countries. And if you look at their history, looking at Guatemala, what the U.S. government did to destabilize that country, which then later led it into a civil war, which has created a lot of their, the poverty situation that occurs there now. The Banana Republics, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, you know, Consistently throughout the history, the U.S. has, some will say, meddled, others will say engaged, but that's created a scenario now where we've got destabilized and real, very weak governments to the point now where, in many cases, using El Salvador as an example, the government's ineffective and it's mostly run by gangs. Now, we, we're complicit in this occurring. At the same time, we're turning our back on the situation. Nobody wants to leave their house to go on an arduous trip of 2,000 miles just to find safety, but that's what they feel they have to do. Now, I understand that we can't just open the borders and let everybody come in, but there should be a process. There should be some equity into the process. There should be some responsibility in, in recognizing that we are culpable for a lot of this mess. Not 100%, that's true, but we have a hand in creating the situation, but yet we want to turn our back on our responsibility. I have a problem with that. I think we should take a we should re-examine the whole immigration policy and try to figure out some form of equity and social justice for those that are affected by our actions and the economic condition and well, economic and safety conditions that they have to address in their home countries. I think part of what I like about the project is, uh, and of course, I teach political communication, but for the most part, what we've attempted to do is to keep the political piece uh, over to the side. And we basically said that what we're engaging in is communication, trying to find commonalities, whether it be through sports, whether it be through food, whether it be through art. David Silva, who is a noted artist, has not only helped our students appreciate art and culture, and of course, Mexico is, is full of that, but he's also come to Boston twice now to really engage our students here to understand what it's like to be in Mexico, what it's like to come to America. He has got a wonderful picture of two hands, you know, that are shaking hands at the border. And I think what our, what our students have found is if they go to Playa, Playa de Tijuana and they are, they're actually at a border stopping or a border area where it's one of the few where you could actually, if you don't have papers, you can go for a few moments or a few, few minutes and maybe even an hour uh, President Trump has limited that and meet with some of your relatives. So oftentimes you'll have grandparents, you'll have aunts and uncles who've never seen some of their relatives come for one last time to meet with them. And our students suddenly understand what this means in terms of beyond, say, a Fox News or an MSNBC headline. And they talk to students. They've done been involved in storytelling. We've had, uh, of course, Craig Freeman, who has done a wonderful digital piece in terms of storytelling. But I think the bottom line is students that oftentimes will not even speak to each other at Emerson. Mexico and Rosarito has been a, a very leveling type of situation where they come together. They realize the commonality of being able to respect each other. One thing that I would say is we do not stay at, in just in a classroom or in a hotel. We experience the entire country. Last year, 
Uh, we put 180 miles a day on the van, uh, going to Ensenada, going various other places. When we are there, we spend time at David Silva's house, and we get to see exactly how they celebrate birthdays. We go into the neighborhoods. So it's what I would say is quite distinctive for our department. It's an immersive experience. The one thing I would say, once you get there, you realize how dependent Mexico and Southern California are. This is the most popular border in the entire world. So millions of people cross that border, you know, each year. And it's not as you would expect when you watch Sean Hannity. My gosh, there's danger here. This is a normal transition that occurs. What I find very interesting this year, and I don't think it's just a, a coincidence, the, the caravan has a larger number of people coming. And many people who have talked to the people in the caravan, there seem to be some kind of strange numbers of people that are a part of the caravan. My own belief is that they've been paid by a certain group of people to come and to create kind of a chaotic situation, especially around the election. Did not really work, did not materialize until after the election. But I think overall, what you can see is both countries. Uh, I think the president, of course, wants his border wall. Uh, you can see the new president who's coming in is about the same age as President Trump. Uh, and we're, it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic. But whether they succeed or not, we'll continue to be building bridges, not walls, and because it's about establishing communication as the key. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation. We haven't done any topic like this so far on the podcast, so I was very excited to have you both here. And, and after hearing what you've had to say, I'm even more excited for perhaps another possible interview later on down the line. I'd like to give Greg and, and you, Mark, both a chance for final thoughts, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, the Rosarito program is, I think, one of Emerson's strongest programs in terms of actually applying civic engagement practices. There are a few other places where you can come out and have such a, an amazing impact with, with our neighbors, in this case, Mexicans. We're in a super town, Rosarito, just south of Tijuana. It's on the beach. It's completely safe. And when you consider a small town of 100,000 people, 15,000 of those are American expats. So it's a great opportunity. I highly encourage anybody who's in the Emerson community to get involved. You will be well rewarded with your experience. What I would say is this is a non-traditional course. It's an immersive course. Uh, when you come down, many people say, where's the syllabus? I will give them the syllabus, but I basically say what I want you to do is to find a creative way to connect with people, to engage with people. Initially, it was the film festival, but the film festival, not in the sense of a VMA specialty film, but it was a film festival where a time at a time in which Mexican Students could not get their message out there, could not tell their story because you had certain newspapers that were owned by groups and they didn't want something told. We said, well, here, here's a camera. Tell your story through YouTube, and, you know, through some type of uh, marketing tactics. You'll be able to get that message across. So each year we will have five or six films, depending on the number, and they'll be telling stories. But what's exciting is that was a way of beginning to engage our students working with Mexican students. Since that time, we've had art festivals, we have had music festivals, we've had gastro diplomacy festivals, we've had sports tournaments and sports types of festivals. This year, we had a Russian student who said, you know, what I want to do is a fashion show. Now, everybody, every one of the students basically guffawed and, oh my God, this isn't going to work. And what's Vlad all about? Well, Vlad right now is in, in at, a fa at the Fashion Institute in L.A. Vlad put together, engaged, had other people helping him. But that was really a hit of this year's program. He had people that designed 
clothing, that owned shops, that wanted to be models. And during the actual film festival, during the time when the judges were deliberating, here was Vlad as a Russian, where he basically got up and said, my name is Vlad, I'm a Russian. Yes, there is collusion. We've got public diplomacy collusion here in Rosarito, and we're connecting people through fashion. What I like about it is each year, it's almost like Forrest Gump. You open up that box of chocolates, you do not know exactly what that Emerson student is going to create. So be creative, be immersive, be engaged, come to Rosarito. Campus on the Common is a production of the School of Communication at Emerson College. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Emerson College alumnus and podcasting professor Chance Dorling.